everyone. I'm Shannon Abel. I'm the media marketing specialist at Blue Acorn ICI. I'm the host of the Funnel and E-Commerce podcast, where I interview e-commerce experts to discuss the latest trends and topics that matter most to brand and retail professionals. Today, we have with us Jackie Breen, VP of Sales at Deck Commerce, and Luke Yamnitz, Director of Business Development at Deck Commerce. Hey, guys. Hi. Hi, Shannon. Welcome. Great to be here. Yeah. Before we uh, jump in, can you just give us a quick bio for both of you? Yep. Um, I'm Jackie Breen. I'm the VP of Sales at Deck Commerce. I've been with the company for over five years, working with different retailers, helping them go direct to consumer for the first time, helping them um, offer differentiated experiences to their customers and really just helping position them for growth as they you know, try to answer to consumers' ever-growing needs in the retail space. Great. And I'm Luke Yamnitz. I'm the Director of Business Development at Debt Commerce. I've been with the company for just over a year now. I come from a background in advertising where I was a strategist. And now in my new role at DEC, I work a lot with uh, new customers as they're going through some uh, initial evaluations of what they're looking for with their e-commerce solutions, as well as working a lot with our partnerships like with Blue Acorn ICI. Awesome. Thanks, guys. So today uh, we're going to be talking about how to ensure your e-commerce strategy is scalable. So the first question I want to start with is, what are common challenges do brands run into when scaling their business? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a really interesting topic uh, because we see customers come in and they're very excited to whether they're going direct to consumer for the first time or they're introducing something new into their stack or trying to bring new solutions to their customers or new experiences it's interesting to see them have this level of excitement, um, but then fall short when it comes to actually making the right decisions to scale. Uh, and so there's a number of, of challenges that, that we've encountered over the past year or two years of, as we've continued to work with customers, uh, with prospects, who retailers who are looking uh, to make those advancements. And the first one is that oftentimes they're coming in and they're just evaluating the use cases that they deal with today. Uh, they've made a list of how things always go, how things run, um, and they want to find a solution for that, which is great. That's an awesome place to start, but they're not thinking about the questions of what are they going to want to solve for tomorrow. Um, the reason why you're introducing something new, uh, redoing, whether it's the storefront, whether it's experiences again, or bringing in a technology like an order management system, is to help you keep moving forward. Um, and I love this saying, it's catching up isn't keeping up. And we see that a lot with the brands we've been uh, involved with over the past couple of years is there's this sprint to try to catch up to Amazon or catch up to to that retailer up there or look what they're doing. And they're only planning for what that is today and they're not thinking about, well, what's the next move? And they've run their exhaustion out uh, in that sprint and then they're not ready to make that next step when it's time to to scale in that way. And so... In that same way, they're limiting their ideation to that's not how we've always done it. And when you come in with that attitude, that's the absolute last uh, phrase I like to hear is, well, that's not how we do it. And it's like you have to have an attitude of imagination, an attitude of what if uh, in order to really approach the the scaling uh, and the planning appropriately uh, when you're dealing with e-commerce today because it's constantly changing. Great. Do you find that these challenges evolve as e-commerce trends evolve, or are they all essentially the same as far as, again, wanting to catch up but not look towards the future necessarily? 
It really depends. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would say definitely the the most common challenge you're going to come across uh, in any situation, whether it's e-commerce or another another business you're in, is the cost. And obviously, cost is huge when you're replatforming, when you're looking at a new tech stack. But by not choosing the right thing at the beginning, you're adding on that exponential cost later on. Just doing a, a one-size-fits-all solution or a light solution early on might be great for your you know little MVP launch, uh, which is important and is good. And we want to and you know you need to get there. Um, but if you're not asking those right questions for okay, well then what's the follow-on? What's the next thing we're going to do? And you've created or you've put into place a solution that wasn't built for even what's on the table now, but let alone what's going to be able to be tomorrow, you're actually adding more cost and more headache on as the years go by. So um, it's, it's not a one size fits all. It's not a blanket statement, you know, against all retailers or, or, or customers um, or prospects at all. It's just the going in with the right mindset and sticking with that mindset. Because often what happens um, in these conversations and these discoveries is the, the amount of stakeholders that are involved, the, the amount of, of cost and resources and training is huge and, and that's important and it can be scary and then all of a sudden we go and we, we fall into, well, let's just focus on MVP. Let's mm-hmm. just focus on these basics here and that's good. You know, that, that's good to be focused and to, to not be going off the map by any means, but don't lose the map and don't lose that, uh, that dream and that want um, and that vision for, yeah, catching up with your competitor, but also what is the next big thing? Right. You guys had a really good analogy on your blog about having a big brother that you're biking with and he's constantly always fashioning you, always better than you with the other like cool kids in the neighborhood and you're always behind whether you have, you know, new stickers on your bike or even a new bike, but it's never like enough if you're just trying to do those simple essentially surface fixes. So I thought that was a good analogy. Right. Yeah. You, you want to ditch the training wheels, but mm-hmm. you need to keep training. You need right. to keep conditioning and it takes some practice. And again, you can sprint up to that, to that older brother um, mm-hmm. around the corner, but if they're stronger and bigger than you and you spent all your energy just getting there, well, they're going to keep cruising right. ahead. Exactly. And so it's finding the right equipment, uh, which comes down a lot of times to the right technology, the right core, mm-hmm. um, but then also making sure that you have the right relationship with those technology providers to make sure your team is being trained well, um, that the right questions are being asked with the right people at the right time to put actual new processes in place or solve business cases that, yes, we have it on the list. It exists today. But what about the what ifs for tomorrow? Right, exactly. So what steps do brands need to take before they scale their business and how can they anticipate and prepare for those unknown future trends? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say the first one is make sure you're involving the right stakeholders. Uh, when it comes to implementing a, an experience for your customers, it's not just e-commerce, it's not just customer service, it's not just IT. It needs to be a company focus. That includes people like marketing even, um, people that are on the front lines of, of the exponential of, of the experience. And so it's making sure that you're involving those right stakeholders to find the, those what ifs that we keep bringing up. Um, what if we veer from the happy path? What's, what's the action then? Um, what if we want to add a new distribution center? Or what if we're going to have a new storefront coming out? Or what if all of a sudden there's a, a new way to place orders or um, new types of products that aren't just physical, they're virtual? What if those start to be added are we going to have to start over again? And a lot of times involving the right stakeholders at the right time can get that ideation flowing faster uh, and earlier in the process. 
Second would be not to make MVP your goal. Um, it's really good in discovery to then come around and know that that is what you're aiming for with, with the sprints that are leading up to that. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind, again, don't throw out the map. What is the goal? It's creating an experience that's going to continue to evolve for your customers and for the industry and for your company, stakeholders, etc. Um, and make sure you don't lose sight of that because ultimately we're getting a little bit too focused on, okay, what can we just do to scrape by? I was put in this position. I was given this uh, this task, this duty to, to put this new uh, piece of technology into place. Am I just checking the box or am I creating something that, that's going to go beyond what that box is? The third thing I'd say is um, working with a consulting partner. I think having a partner like Blue Acorn ICI, uh, we work with a number of others you know, uh, around the world. It's really important because those are the ones that are going to be making sure you're asking the right questions. Brands can do a lot on their own. We work with amazing, huge global brands that have been through, if not this experience, similar ones. Uh, and we're constantly learning from our retailers and from our, uh, our partners as well. But making sure that you're bringing in someone who can come in with a fresh mindset, keeping you know that that objective top of mind, and making sure that um, there's nothing that's falling through the cracks as far as what you're thinking of or the what if. Again, going back to well, it's not the way we've always done it. Bringing someone who comes in and they don't know the way you've always done it, so they're going to poke holes in it, not to add frustration, but to make sure. Okay, what if that isn't happy path? What if that isn't what tomorrow is going to be like? So working with a consultant partner is going to be extremely important. In the same way, focusing on the core technology. You referenced uh, the the bike analogy uh, that, that I'm particularly a fan of. And I, in the blog, I talk about how um, I wanted to get faster. And as a kid, I thought that if I put flame decals on my helmet, I'd go faster. Or I'd put the little um, the, the baseball card in between the spokes and then make that noise like I was a motorcycle. And I'd imagine I was going faster. There's a lot of really good technology solutions out there um, that can be added or not added um, at different times, and they're all going to make it better. They're going to make a better experience in the end. But when you're thinking about, okay, what's MVP? How am I going to scale? Be investing in what that core technology is early because it's more important that you have a better bike than you have the stickers on the bike, right? Mm -hmm. This is what's going to happen when you buy the new bike. You're going to have to buy the new stickers anyway. So invest first in the bike and then in the the pieces that are shiny and good and create that good experience, but it's going to carry on into the future. When someone's evaluating different core tech platforms, what type of questions should they be asking those providers? What things should they be looking for? Absolutely. So what questions should uh, you be asking? Of course, you know, how have you seen your product um, solve this issue for other customers? Always ask about their current customers that they're using. I recently was with a partner and I used the word capabilities and he said, hey, hey, stop using capabilities. I don't want to know if you're capable of doing something. I want to know if you actually do it. And so when you're asking those questions of those tech vendors, make sure you're not just asking is it doable? Well, it's technology, right? I mean, if you have smart developers, anything's capable of happening, right? But what are you actually doing? What are you solving for today while still knowing there's the flexibility to bring improvements and what you're doing in the future? Another one is um, not just what are they doing, but how are they doing things going forward? Because roadmap and future state is important. It's obviously not the decision you should choose your technology based on, um, but you need to understand if the visions that those technology partners, even your solution partners, how they envision the future of commerce and the direction they're taking, their technology, their focus, does it align with what your company's trying to do? Because 
you know, we talk a lot about how this foundation is really important, but this foundation has to be flexible enough to continue to grow and scale because what we're solving for today, we weren't solving for two years ago, and we're going to have a whole new set of challenges in retail to solve for in, in another year. So that's why it's so important to have that, not just the foundation of what exists today, but understanding of the vision that's going forward. Right. And you make sure your platforms are growing with your needs and exactly. Right. And, and look for the good in finding a, a technology that is focused. When it's a, again, a one size fits all, uh, of course we do the, the whole gamut of it. It might be an easy one-time decision. Procurement might be really happy because it's just one bill, but there's still goodness in best in breed and finding a, a partner, finding a technology piece, finding a piece, especially of core technology that's going to stay focused on that because they are already thinking about what's next, what's happening now. They're not uh, having necessarily their discipline deprioritized because there's 10 other offerings. And yeah, this year was the year that we focused on this little piece of the distribution you know, network or whatever, but we're not going to revisit it for another five years because now we're improving these other little pieces. Finding companies that you know are going to remain focused, remain uh, in a process and a, um, a cadence of regular updates and approaching you like a partner and not just thinking that they're the gods that know e-commerce alone, um, that we learn from our customers who are retailers of what opportunities are lying, not just today, but again, lying in the what if of tomorrow. Right. So can you guys share any specific examples of how brands strategically scaled their businesses? So, you know, we see this happen in a variety of forms. Um, it can be anything from offering differentiated experiences, whether they want to sell customized products. I mean, brands are constantly working on figuring out how do they set themselves apart to have consumers come to their site to shop versus going to an Amazon, to um, even to a big box retail store. So those experiences they can provide, whether it be a custom pair of sneakers, a custom baseball glove, um, something a little bit different, a little bit unique. Offering those experiences is one thing on a front end, so it does take that effort from you know that customer experience, but then thinking going all the way downstream, how do those get fulfilled? How does that information get communicated? How do you communicate with the customer differently throughout that process? Those are some of the scaling challenges that come up as they're looking at, at kind of expanding what they offer to the customer. Um, another good example is expanding geographically. So you, know, you sell in the U.S. today, but you want to expand into Canada, the U.K., into Germany, into APAC, and what does that look like? So those, you know, those are the two main ways we see customers start to expand their footprint and really focus their direct-to-consumer efforts to continue to grow. And what are signs a brand needs an OMS to scale their business? It really comes down to the experiences that they're trying to deliver. As they continue to grow, it's about that foundation. Yes, you could probably get orders processing you know, and get up and running very quickly without an OMS. Um, but the second you start adding more distribution networks because you want to get products to your customers faster. You have customers in New York and you don't always want to be shipping from the West Coast. Well, now we're adding complexity on the back end that there's multiple fulfillment points. You have stores that you want to leverage because you want to offer um, buy online, pick up in store. You want to give your customers the ability to return in a store. Now there's another level of complexity that happens once that order is placed. Uh, and then all the way to those differentiated experiences. You want to be able to 
offer unique products and you know whether it be digital products custom products you want to be able to offer them something different than they could get from going into a, a big box retail store or shopping on a big box website they're going to have different processing needs and you're going to need a system in place that has that flexibility to deliver on the promise that your storefront is offering and they want to have multiple storefronts they want to exist multiple places as we think about headless commerce it's it's not coming, it's, it's here, and not just having your one www.com website, but ordering something in-store and having it shipped to you, or ordering through Alexa, Google Assistant, through marketplaces, Amazon, etc. Having an order management in place that all of those feed into improves your scalability opportunity as you then have that same connection to those back-end systems, to the fulfillment logic, to the other pieces that, yes, there might be some uh, unique configurations as you think about matching the the end experience with what you've promised on the front end but it's coming into one place for one central record of orders um, and then the management and the orchestration of those to where you're not connecting to every single piece in your stack over and over and over again every time you want to add something new and that comes back to the scalability this year we saw alexa and, and google assistant become a more of a thing of what you could order from still pretty rare but what about one that's normal in two years and then what's after that and having a solution there that's going to support that. That commerce, I mean, we were headless before headless was was a phrase, right? And so we've been able to, we haven't even touted it because it's like, no, that that's what we do. We enable that and finding a solution like that that's going to continue to offer that flexibility for what's here, but also are we able to build and improve together for what's tomorrow? Do you have any predictions on what is tomorrow? Flying cars everywhere. <laughs> no, so <laughs> We are omnichannel, but we're not omnipotent. So uh, we'll leave that to the retailers to drive and the solution that we do with our partners as well to, to find what those next experiences are. Awesome. Is there anything else you guys would like to add before we wrap up? Yeah, Jackie, do you want to talk a little bit more about what OMS is? I know that uh, we haven't hit on it too much. Deck Commerce is an order management solution that simplifies managing orders in a direct-to-consumer retail space. So enabling those experiences that allow retailers to go direct to consumer, whether it be the first time or something that they've been doing for the span of their business longevity, um, giving them the tools and the platform and the flexibility that they need to not let their technology be an inhibitor of growth. Right. To communicate that inventory uh, to the right channels, to help process returns, pre-orders, back orders. Um, a lot of the the things that veer from just the simple happy path is when you're going to have an order management system in place to produce that scalability um, for what you have now. Yes, on that list, but what's tomorrow as well. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jackie and Luke, for joining us. This has been great. For more information, visit the Debt Commerce website, or we also have a vendor spotlight for Debt Commerce on Blue Acorn ICI's blog. For those of you listening, you can find any of the episodes from the funnel, basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. But until next time, thanks, guys. Bye.